Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here in the studio today with Amy Ostan of Amy Ever After. Hello, why are you laughing at me? Because <laughs> I'm on my phone as you're talking. <laughs> Andrea's giggling. That's Andrea Smith, who's finally with us. Oh my Yay. gosh. Yay, finally at the new studio. <laughs> the new studio. I yep. forgot that you hadn't seen it yet. I have yeah. not seen it. Guys, since in. before CES. Right? Yeah, it's been a while. So it's been, it's been a month. Yeah. So Andrea's finally back in the city. We got her to come in and everything. Um, today on the show, we're tackling, I think, one of the biggest parenting <laughs> problems there are. Yeah. Um, and also, it never ends. I have two 15-year-olds, and I'm telling you, it just changes, but it doesn't really end. Oh, don't tell people that. Okay. They'll be so I'm depressed. Be sad. Um, bedtime. <laughs> bedtime and sleep. We're going to tackle it. And we have a special guest today. We have Michelle Ruiz, who you've joined us by phone before. But I, I have, like yes. you've ever been in the oh. studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did talk by phone once. I've I think about, was it about like stage parent Instagram? Yeah, yes. Instagram oh, those moms. crazy yes. parent moms. stories. Yeah, absolutely. Which <laughs> still, shockingly, still also ha- hasn't gone away, but nope. we'll talk about that at a different time. Um, but you wrote a great piece, How to Get Kids of Any Age to Sleep in Real Simple. And Andrea immediately was like, we have to have Michelle in to talk about <laughs> So I'm just, time. before we talk about it, I have to jump in and do a proud mama moment here. <laughs> okay. okay. Because Your son Michelle, fell asleep at 27 no, years old. No, because Michelle <laughs> was one of my most favorite interns at ABC That's News. That's right. That's like, right, in 2003. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm. Michelle wow. Ruiz came from UVA. That, that's correct, and yep. And was an intern and rocked it beyond belief. I mean, there are some interns you just know are going to make it, and some... You're like, all right, dude, let's just get through the summer. <laughs> Aside from, and you all saw me look at, at her shoes, the most fabulous shoes every single day. Should Best I take dress? a picture of them and oh, post them? You need them? to take okay, a picture of them. Wait, but we Michelle, might have to do a different episode Michelle on rocked that, it so much how she that afforded she shoes on an intern salary. <laughs> she was hired by ABC after her internship and was there for a good couple of years. Yeah, we were there for a good news. five years. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to be the proud mama of, of you know, really, really so pleased to see her trajectory. And then after she had a nice career doing celebrity entertainment, um, had a kid and figured out how to do this you know figured out how to be a mom how to have a career now i see the pictures of her new boy who's almost a year old and he's adorable so i'm really proud that's all well i had a great i had a great role model so back at you i had a great role model i was gonna say you thought you were coming on to talk about bedtime but it's really (laughs) this is your life i'm just (laughs) cavelling over so anyway so i do read all her stuff i love it and it's great no it is great and you you read everywhere which i also really appreciate yeah like different things for different publications. I think when you were on last time, was it an L? Like it was. I was at Cosmopolitan. Oh, Cosmopolitan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which also, I think, what's interesting. And before we get into the bedtime thing, I feel like parenting is becoming a topic on more and more publications. Maybe it's because writers are having children, and mm-hmm. like everyone was in their twenties, and now they're in their thirties. But do you find that? Like, I even found Slate changed up their whole parenting thing. Um, it feels like everyone is now on this parenting bandwagon of a sort realizing their readers aren't aging out of the magazine just because they're having children yeah I I agree I think it's true and I think because people share so much of their kids online it's Mm -hmm. just become more visible and and maybe publications are thinking like we need to be covering this because it's out there so much as it is and we need to kind of 
be on top of the trends, be, you know, have the answers to those things that people are Googling, Googling at 2 a.m., whether it's, you know, right. like, why is his poop look like this or whatever? <laughs> or, you know, am I, what shots do I need? All these things. I just feel like it's, we've moved so much online with parenting that these publications are kind of like, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, even a, even a publication like Cosmo that traditionally, when I first started working there years ago, didn't really cover it. We figured that it was, to quote unquote old, but mm-hmm. I think when you're when you're on Instagram on your phone when you're pumping and you're reading Twitter, <laughs> it's like I think those publications know you have to deliver the deliver those stories. God, I wish yeah. I had all that when I was pumping. <laughs> <laughs> I would just look at it. You know? Podcasts, <laughs> podcasts were the greatest. Lots yeah. Podcasts. Um, all right. Well, let's jump in and talk about bedtime. So one of the things I loved about this truly was that you broke down the ages because it changes and. You don't start with baby, which I also think is really smart because we know baby's gonna suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. It's gonna be so hard. It's not gonna happen. You know, you might have the lucky kids. You can try to sleep, train, whatever. There's yeah, I had one that was there. awesome, one that was the worst. So it's not even like you. It's how the kid comes out. <laughs> yeah, they really do come out yeah. how they are. Um, I'm a big believer in that. But so let's talk about the battle. Let's start, we'll just go in chronological order. Toddlers, stalling. Yes, yeah, stalling. So this was this one was really born of my real life. Um, I guess when the story I was writing the story, my daughter was three and now she's four. But big things stalling as kids, and I talked to a lot of sleep scientists and researchers for this story. So um, I should make crystal clear that the, these, this is not my personal wisdom <laughs> that I'm <laughs> that I'm we're, we're open to that drawing too, so. on here. Um, but but although the mom tips. We're, we're almost just as valuable in reporting this story mm-hmm. to see what worked for other people is can be just as sage advice as like a UCLA sleep scientist. But stalling, I guess, is born out of these kids are just they're out of their cribs. They're in the big kid bed. And at that point, they really they don't have the kind of mental determined mental. Um, what should I say? Like discipline capacity to, capacity yeah. to understand that you're not allowed to get out so you know you'll like, like there are no bars stay. there is nothing <laughs> holding me in yeah I'm, I'm liberated so so really it's like they the temptation to keep pushing back and pushing back that bedtime is so high because um they don't there's nothing keeping them in you know so they're I know like my daughter every night is like, I need one more hug I need one more drink of water I need can I watch one more show and it's just a circus right and the drink of water is tough because if you're potty training you don't want them drinking before bed mm-hmm. and so that becomes its own horrible thing because then it's like mm-hmm. well then they know if they say if they have to go potty you're gonna come you're gonna mm-hmm. go oh boy right. you're gonna come <laughs> like you're never gonna be like nope and my daughter gets me with the snack because she's not a very good eater and i'm mm-hmm. always like if she's actually legitimately hungry i have to give her a snack otherwise she'll be starving you know so they kind of play on your heartstrings that mm-hmm. way. And I guess the solution to this, what I was told for the story, is to sort of, is consistency is always the key. So one person recommended doing a bedtime chart where every night we do X, Y, and Z. Every night bath, every night that final snack, your drink, the bathroom, a story, and then that's it. And you're literally ticking it off on a chart so that when the out of left field request comes comes in it's like well no we already did our whole bedtime like that's it and that might take a while to stick but 
you know, of course we get, it comes back to us as parents where we're like, oh, okay, so it's on us to, to create this <laughs> super regimented and, and smooth system. It's funny, my daughters, um, I was one of those, well, I have twins, so I uh, preface it by saying they slept through the night very young because they had each other in the crib. There's no doubt in my mind that's why they slept. But at three and a half, I was telling Amy this story, my husband and I went away for the first time for like a long weekend and left them with my mom and that was it. We came back and we paid for that weekend for six months. <laughs> and they refused to go to bed. I mean, that's what it was. It was popping out, popping out. Little, you'd hear the little. Wait, feet were coming. they just angry or did did? No, it freaked uh, them out. It freaked them out. Like and it just messed have, up their sleep. It just schedule. messed it up. My mom like slept on the floor in their room. I mean, it was like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And then when we got home, they just never felt safe again in their room. Wow. I think, and they would just oh, we'd hear the door open. You'd hear the little feet. And it was hard. We would like hold the door closed. I mean, it was awful. I, I have friends yes. who had twins. Holding the yes. door closed. We did. We'd, like hold the door. Closed. I have friends who have twins. They put a lock on the outside of the door, and they that stayed <laughs> locked scary. till like seven thirty in the morning. So the kid, there was no choice. It was awful. And you get through it, which is, I guess, what I always say to parents now when I look back. It's and our pediatrician said it to us at the time too, was like everything is a phase, good and bad. So like enjoy the good, <laughs> and know you'll get through the bad. But boy, at the time, you just want to. You really want to throw everybody out the window. <laughs> That's the thing about sleep and and was kind of the other impetus for the story is just that it has such a profound effect or the lack of it has such a profound effect yeah. on your life where, you know, you want them, number one, in bed by X time often so that you can have some semblance of a few hours to yourself and time yes. with time for yourself, time with your husband, time to or partner time to do whatever for you and then when they're waking up all night it's like it's seeping into your ability to function the next day your right. ability to work and everything like that so you know suddenly your their sleep is very inextricably linked to your sleep and well-being right. yeah. and Especially not if you have to get up and go to work the next day and you're not sleeping well and then you're cranky yeah and not just sleep like you said like my parent brain kind of shuts down at my kids bedtime not so much now because they're older but when they were younger and they actually like needed care my brain would shut down at like nine o'clock or whatever and if they reappeared I was like instantly angry because they were interrupting the only time me and my husband had right. to talk to each other like adults and I think it just scared them into not doing that much because they just saw like I was not friendly at like 11 o'clock at night I was a different person <laughs> right. and it worked it's scary. What were the tips for keeping your kids in their beds? So one that people really seem to like, um, both regular moms and sleep <laughs> sci scientists <laughs> both dispensed this tip to me, was to use a bedtime pass. Oh, I love those. Yeah. it's a, it, it seemed like a really good idea. Just a simple index card with stickers or whatever. And basically, you give them one or two and say, if you do need to go to the bathroom, you come out and redeem the pass. Or if you are dying for that extra snack, you come use your pass. But then they're incentivized not to use it because if they give you the pass or passes in the morning, then they get a treat. Any time oh. when you can give kids control mm -hmm. while still getting them to do what you want them to do, they think that they've won. And yeah. everybody has. That's when I awesome. Read, when I read those tips in this article, I thought, God, that is brilliant. I totally. Mean, it's really giving them the control of, do I want to use this now? Do I save it? You know, and, right. and, and putting them into that whole thought process, um, I think it's brilliant. 
Yeah, I love that one. And I, I need to actually take the advice of the article and start giving it to <laughs> doing it with my daughter. Yeah, I'm like, I wrote this a bit selfishly or pitched this a bit selfishly. Right. And now I need to like do it. The best tip too, I think, which is the one I always tell people, which I think is the hardest one, is not to let your kids in the bed with you. Oh, yes. Because once you do that, that's it. Once it's you incomprehensible. Do that, you, I don't know how you, people do it. But you can't. I understand it. You're so mm. tired that you're like, oh, whatever. They'll just sleep here yeah. once. And then that's it. Once, What I always say, what's easier in the short run makes your life miserable in the long run. Always. Always. Whether it's food, <laughs> sleep, whatever it is for your kid, it's the wrong thing. But I can't tell you when we were apartment shopping how many people's apartments we saw with the mattress mm-hmm. on the floor oh. next to the parent bed. Well, I am. <laughs> like, it was like horrifying. I, the, here's the thing. Like, it's so tempting. I am so against kids being in bed with you. I don't even want my husband in bed sometimes. Like, I just, <laughs> you, you want the bed to yourself. And my son was great. He never wanted to sleep with us. He was a great sleeper. Um, he was in a crib from day one. And then when my daughter came along, my son was very hostile towards having a, a little sibling. And he was only two and a half. So we were not comfortable having her in the room with him when she was a baby. We're like, we don't know what he's going to do. He probably isn't going to do anything, but we don't want to take that chance. So we put a bassinet in our room, which was like so different than what we had done with our first child. And it was a nightmare because when like when my son was across the the apartment I would just kind of lie there listening to the monitor going nah he'll fall back asleep it's fine but when they're at the foot of your bed it's a <laughs> totally different thing and so like I would just grab her quickly so that she didn't wake up my husband and didn't right. wait in every grunt and oh, everything you know you you're like oh my god what is all? that and yeah because I used to keep the monitor yeah. turned down really low so that I'd only hear him if he screamed and so just having her in the room made it so tempting to just drag her into bed with me. And it was that's what happened for the first eight months. And right. It was terrible. And at three and four, when they're interrupting your sleep and you just want to go back to bed, it's tempting to just be like, roll over and yeah. let them in. Especially in the middle of the night where, yes. you know, my daughter had this phase of doing this where I would wake up and see a small child peering at me in the dark like <laughs> yes. Chucky. That's a nightmare. And it's, it's so, so creepy and so scary. I would actually shriek because it was so eerie um it was like a horror movie and but i think to your point it only takes bringing them in the bed a couple of times for them to think this is paradise i'm sleeping with my mom and dad this is amazing why would i ever want to sleep by myself in my room ever again and so all the sleep experts did say for this piece even if it's the middle of the night even if you you know don't want to do it Walk them back very silently. Don't kind of stimulate them at mm-hmm. all. Make it super boring. No eye contact. So that there's no exactly like <laughs> don't look at the you know perpetrator and just <laughs> kind of quietly walk them back and let yeah. them know that they're, if they're going to come into your room looking for excitement, they're not going to yeah. find Nothing it. Nothing right? good will happen to no you if you try going this. On there, we right? actually had a rule where I forget what time it was, probably like around 7 o'clock on weekends. They could come in and snuggle with us at this time. And they had little clocks in their room so that they would know. And um, if they came in before that, then no snuggling that day. And it, it worked well because they wanted that snuggle. A clock in the room is key, I do think, and as long as as soon as your kids can know numbers. And all they have to know is the one. first number because we right. blacked out the minutes on the digital clock with, uh, now they have like fancy like wake up clocks where right. like it glows green when they can get up. But we just blacked out the numbers, the minutes um, with electrical tape. Right. So all they had to see was that that first number was a seven. That's it. Yeah, that makes sense. My daughters still need a clock. Like, 
just in general. I do too. Like I don't like that feeling of not knowing what time it is in the morning. We don't have a clock in our living room and it drives me crazy. Yeah. Like there's no VCR with the clock on it. Like we need to just put a clock somewhere. It drives me absolutely it's batty. Crazy. All right, so let's move on to bigger kids, five to ten, which I think that's a that's a big span, five to ten, because that's kindergarten to fifth grade. There's a huge amount of difference and things that go on. Um, one being homework that starts to load up on your kids, especially around third grade. So the big thing you were saying, five to ten, sleep schedules are now out of sync. Yeah, so this is this was an issue that kind of in our crowdsourcing came up a lot that people. You know, the parents were either night owls or early to bed, but their kids were the opposite. Um, and sometimes this is kind of like an occupational thing where like, you know, Andrea and I used to work at, in radio where some people were waking up at like 3.30 to get to Ugh. work by um, 5.30 or something like that or getting home at midnight. So you forget that the people, people are all over the spectrum with their sleep and their kids might be in a completely opposite spectrum. This is where the okay to wake clock sort of came in. This is this clock that you can program to glow green when it's okay to wake up and get out of your room. So that, the idea behind that is that if your kid is waking up at six and you really don't want to start the morning until seven, they wake up and see that it's not green and might try to roll over. Or at least if they're old enough to do that, which I guess for this age group they are, um, play in your own room. Just do something so that you know it's not time to go get your parents yet oh right. by five my son was able to go into the living room turn on the tv to cartoons and get bowls of dry cereal for him and his his sister and so we were able to sleep until like 10. But this is what the, i'm striving for yeah. this is what i'm living for <laughs> that's Goal. the weekend yeah. though like during the week so i had a lot of friends where it started to be that their kid wouldn't fall asleep like and also their kids have 10 o'clock bedtime and now in the morning getting them out the door for school, for school is uh, a nightmare. Yes. Yep. And yeah. they say if you have to wake your child, your child's not getting enough sleep, mm -hmm. yet, right? Like Same for adults. Role. Right. If you really need if you, that alarm clock. If you clock go to your so alarm badly. clock, yeah. Yeah. And and there, you know, the other kind of wisdom that came up was you can try to gradually shift and shift either forward or back their schedule very gradually by like 15 minutes over the course of almost a month to sort of nudge the schedule in the direction you want it to be. So waking them up a little earlier, feeding them a little earlier until finally you can try to sync. But they also said, you know, this is one of the things that is, is can, can be inconvenient for a magazine story. But, you know, a lot of the experts were like, look, you signed up to have kids. Sometimes right. they wake up at 5.30 a.m. <laughs> and that stinks. To kind of get over it and, and suck it up in a way where right. you can't always shift someone else's sleep yeah, schedule to right. match your own. You could try to do that, but it doesn't always work. There's a lot right? of yeah, I was always jealous. I mean, Matt would stay up. And I think that was a function of my work schedule. You know, if I didn't get home till 7 p.m., I wanted to see him, you know, I wanted to hang out a little bit. You know, of course, he was screaming and crying and clearly needed to go to bed <laughs> and I didn't get it. But I had friends whose kids were bathed, fed and in bed at 730. That was me. And they slept from 730 till like 7 a.m. the next morning. And I thought it was insane. So, you know, I kept thinking if I had Matt up till 9 or 10, then he'd sleep a little bit later in the morning because I wanted to sleep later. Um, but you do. Nope. You have to kind of adjust. <laughs> no, it, it didn't work. It doesn't have the wake up on the other end. Just never doesn't work. And clearly, he should have gone to bed at seven o'clock. <laughs> but you know, you do have to live your life, and you want to see your kids and be with them, and you know, right? You just have to know what you're up for. The, the only thing in that article that made me go, "Oh hell no," was when it said that sure, let them sleep late on Saturday if they will, but then get them up early on Sunday to get them back on track. Oh no. No, 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 no. If my kids actually slept in on a Sunday, which when they were little, occasionally they would, 
I would tiptoe around the house. I would like get things done. I would quietly read a paper. No. I follow the never wake a sleeping baby never. rule. Ever. Never. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that kind of came about a, a sleep scientist or, you know, the the idea of how to keep them on track. And his, oh, I, and, I yeah, totally, totally believe that it's true. I'm just not going to do oh, it. No. I would never either. No. I now, would never. for your two kids who are different ages, do they have the same pattern, schedule? So I try to get, so my son is in a good place now. He goes to bed at 7, like clockwork, every night. And he will sleep till about 6.30 or 7. Wow. It took a while to get him there. But he is there. And then my daughter, we I'm trying to start the you know bath and everything process around 7 when he goes to sleep. Or often I'll give them a bath together. And then try to get her in bed by 8. Mm. So they're roughly... They're roughly synced, but she is the she is the Chucky from the story who <laughs> who will stall and um, escape, and so she's you know she's getting a little better, but but she kind of is funny enough the more of the the challenge right well, now she's than the baby trying to extend her alone time with you too yeah my guess with the new baby like, yes and guilt plays a role right course. because like you're saying mm-hmm. when you wanted to see matt you're thinking all right well she hasn't seen me all day so right. yes i will read her a fourth story right. <laughs> you should have that be her treat with the passes yeah. like she gets yeah. alone time you guys go alone and get ice cream somewhere yeah. or something like that or the carousel or i don't know although sometimes we're like doing like rock paper scissors being like no it's your turn to put her to bed you know and a friend of mine it's like we both dread it we take turns you know like it's it's that kind of thing yeah, it's it that awful. sort of kind of like wait sometimes after your own long day where you're like oh I don't want to deal with this oh yeah I would throw my kids at my husband when he, he would get home from work because yeah. I was a stay-at-home mom and I wasn't working and by like when he got home at seven I was just done and if he had to work late, you know, if he had like a nightmarish 16 hour day, I'd be like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'd be like, I would rather be home putting the kids to bed. I never believed him. anything yeah. to not put them to bed. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about nightmares, because I do think that's a big one. I think you could have a kid who sleeps amazing, amazing, amazing. And then all of a sudden it just those nightmares kick in. Yeah, and and it was really odd because a friend of mine with a five-year-old said that that's around when her daughter starts to have nightmares. And then the researchers I spoke with echoed that and said that around five or when is there – or basically that there's a big difference between four and five where children's awareness of the outside world starts to kick in more. They start Mm -hmm. to understand the conversations they're overhearing or understand the news more. They're in a school with bigger kids. They're just kind of getting things more, and that can seep into their sense of anxiety or stress, you know, to the extent that a five-year-old feels that, and manifest itself in nightmares. And then there's also night terrors, which um, often are caused by sleep deprivation. So it's sort of this cycle where if they're not in a good sleeping groove, they can have these night terrors where they're kind of like thrashing around and feeling distress in their sleep but not fully waking up so yeah and then that's another thing that's then waking the whole family up in mm-hmm. some cases Ugh, what do you do so for this <laughs> you know <laughs> for, so horrible. yeah so for this it kind of goes back to keeping the consistency and having that routine where making sure they're getting enough sleep that was the first thing to ask yourself they said if this is the problem you're having but then trying to create and kind of have a nice peaceful winding down to the end of the day so Maybe it's the nice bath or the stories. Um, 
a cute kind of thing that Harvey Karp, who writes the Happiest Baby on the Block books that we've all read or the videos that we've all watched. He made that that crib, that like yes. $2,000 crib. The that snoo. The snoo. The snoo. We saw that at CES yeah. two I saw CES's it at, ago. I saw it at a thing, too. With that swaddle thing, and it yeah. rocks your baby. It's pretty if amazing. It, it, yeah. And he makes a very good case for it. He's like, well, it's only $10 a day if you use it for two years <laughs> and two kids. You know, so you're like, whatever. But um, you know what? When I saw it, I thought, that is brilliant. It's amazing. That's how you capitalize on desperation. Yes. <laughs> but he very creatively had a free, a free tip of his was to kind of spray to put water in a spray bottle and kind of go around spraying right. magic water we did, in the we room. Had, we did monster spray. Monster and spray, yeah. and right. I, was, I was kind of against it when I heard about it because I was like iffy on the whole Santa Claus thing. I didn't know if I wanted to go down that road with my son and I was like, now am I going to be spraying the closet every freaking night for 10 years? <laughs> no, he used it like twice and then right. he was fine. So yeah, right. I'm all and for the monster Whatever spray. works. Yeah, now he just uses X body spray and that gets all <laughs> <laughs> Now I read That'll keep everyone away. <laughs> I, I read an article so long ago, I doubt if I'm going to be able to find it and post it, but it was about night terrors and it was really interesting because it said that if your kid has bad night terrors, it'll be in a pattern. Figure out when they usually have it and wake them up an hour to a half an hour before that time. And then they usually skip the night terrors. Ooh. Yeah, it was really fascinating because there were kids who were like waking up and having these huge fits every night, but it was like every night at the same time. Right. So That's the parents would set an alarm and wake them up a little bit and then they were fine. All right. Let's do tweens and teens. That's what we're in the middle of. Mm-hmm. Um, where obviously they're showering themselves <laughs> or getting in bed themselves. We, we would hope. <laughs> but it is, it's the overscheduling. And I'll say the other thing which with teenagers is they've now entered the phase where they want to brag about how little sleep they get. <laughs> yes. Just really? like adults God. who, you know, just like college who are always like, I'm oh, I went so to bed at busy. two. I'm so tired. I went to bed at two. Oh, wow. I... That's like a bragging right thing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <gasps> mm. it's a, it is a total bragging right thing. Who stayed up later? Usually they're telling their parents it's because they had so much homework, but the only reason they had so much homework- But what homework are they doing? Is because they're on their screens, they're on their phones, they're on Snapchat, they're on Instagram, so it's taking them four hours to do two hours of homework. And it's almost like they think that living on five hours of sleep makes them tougher. Yes, it's like a, it's part of our culture, I think, I this if idea. that's because so many grown-ups walk around going, oh, I'm so busy, I'm yes. so stressed, yes. I have so I much- so they're, so yeah. they're also in that age now where it's like cool to get coffee mm-hmm. in the morning because yeah. you're so tired and- um, and But part of it is there are a lot of kids, genuinely, if your kid does sports or even anything really after school, sometimes it, my kids, they don't get home till 7 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and they're exhausted, they're starving. And by the time they eat dinner and start their homework, it does, like the clock starts to tick. So... What they say? Yeah. So what did they say? This is <laughs> this homework. was also interesting to think to learn about, it. and and I guess it, I was reminded a little bit of it. Happened. I mean, it was like twenty years ago, but I was thinking about coming home. You have just not enough time in the day to sleep to get a good night's sleep. Not enough time for homework activities, and then getting that good seven eight hours or whatever. Um, you know, they said to kind of like hack into it, however and wherever you can. So if your kid is at dance for three hours, pack pack the dinner and try to eat the dinner in between classes you know sometimes it's if you're so burnt out at at night and you happen to be able to wake up early which I feel like is not a very teenage thing but don't necessarily leave it all for that night you can always wake up and try to do that homework in the morning or you know um, (laughs) one of the moms said that she started to drive her daughter to school instead of waiting for the bus because that bought her even like a half hour or 45 minutes and so it made them all so much happier to just 
have her drive her on her way to work to school rather than doing the bus. So it's like any little way that you can find to steal back that time, do it. I think the schools are really complicit in this. And this is where I think schools have to either make kids cut back on activities and colleges have to now say, we don't need you to have 35 activities on your application. Well, they don't have time to read all of that. It, I mean, right, now that we know that it takes them six minutes to read an application. Um, but there has been a huge movement towards later school start time. Yes. And those studies, because mm-hmm. teenagers really yeah. are more night owls. Like it is actually like hormonal, circadian rhythm. And it's been proven. so many parents are against this. Like yeah. when you post articles about this, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if school started at 930? And they're like, no, my kid has baseball and football, basketball, right. and so they won't have time to problem. do all that. Like you're the problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it was really interesting a because a lot of the doctors, legitimate doctors I talked to you about it were saying, look, don't, their answer was, and it was not necessarily always the parental mind, but they were like, don't do so many activities. Yeah. Pick right. the one or two activities that you're really into and just focus your time on those. Don't, you know, if you're going to, if it's, you're going to run yourself into the ground doing six activities and you're going to pay the price for it every day with your sleep and crankiness and health, it's really not worth it. But when I went back to parents with that, funny enough, they really pushed back and said, yeah. mm-hmm. I can't tell my kid that he can't go to piano or whatever. Yes, you can. And I kind of felt like, well, yes, you can, right? Because you're paying for it and you're the one driving them there. So maybe you could just say, pick the thing that you love yes. to do this season even. And then right. next semester slash season do a different sport but I'm not going to run you all over town it has to come from the colleges that's the truth because it's that trickle down of kids being so scared that they don't have enough I mean my daughter even said the other day some college you know it said 70% of the kids are on a on a sports team because my daughters don't do sports and I was like so I'm like 30% aren't (laughs) and and that just means they're on the team doesn't mean they did well like a lot of schools require you to be on a team Mm -hmm. or require you so chill but it's all coming from the colleges making these kids feel like and so they're they don't stressing do over having a need yes the to music check these the boxes, sports right and it's i don't I know there's a lot of its parents too though it's definitely parents but it's because of that it's because of the competition for college like it's all about it's all a piece of getting into college yeah. once you're in high school and cult, so there has to be like a cultural shift that will trickle down to their sleep, right, eventually. Yeah. Sleep is more important. What do doctors say? I mean, do they say that, that teenagers and kids that age need a certain amount of sleep? Yeah, so just what you're saying, they said that they're actually, the release of melatonin, the sleep hormone that makes you fall asleep, actually starts to happen later after puberty. Huh. So as kids get older, they're not tired. Their clock is is not set to go to sleep the way that small kids are mm-hmm. at seven or eight or nine. We talked about this when we talked about the teenage brain. Yeah, remember, right. like they literally can't fall asleep as early as so we need them just to. Need to give them melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> well, one doctor did say you could give them. You know, you could give. They'd have at GNC or whatever just the melatonin right. pills. But I think that it worries people just because we're in this yeah. very non-anti-medication yeah. Yeah. Uh, If they're not getting space. a flu vaccine, they're not getting melatonin. Correct. Right. <laughs> right. No, for sure. All right. Well, we just covered everything. I feel like we covered, we did. We yeah. covered, we covered yeah. everything you could possibly be having with your child in terms of sleep. Um, and the most important lesson is every single age group, it's kind of up to you as a parent to stick to it, right? Like no matter what, even the teens, oh, yeah, take the their phones away. Don't let phones. In the oh, bedroom. that was interesting because you talk a lot about taking the phones away My and having get their phones. Never having a family charger where yeah. everyone charges their phones overnight. And you mentioned that you talked about getting the screens away from kids or even lowering the blue light. 
in the screen. Right. Yep. That was the thing. And I learned what vamping was. I didn't know before doing this story that there was a thing called vamping where they where they sit in their beds all night with their phones and text with each other like and vampires. then and then brag about staying up all night which is yeah. like I guess we're such I'm such an adult that I couldn't even imagine that that being something that you would brag about that sounds like an absolute nightmare to be up all night yeah <laughs> but yeah so the family charging station um it's key or or parents just will take the kids the That's teens phones and put them in their you know bedside table or whatever and yeah. just cutting that cord and making it a habit that you're not it, it, while you're over scheduled and have a million things going on we're not going to exacerbate that by letting you sit on your phone right. well, you have to my, model that with your kids well too. my daughter had talked me into letting her take her phone upstairs I think about a year and a half ago maybe because she made a really good case for it she's like you know I'm up there I'm getting ready for bed I'm showering I want my music I want to listen to music I want my white noise app when I'm sleeping I use it for my alarm so I we that let her sense. and it just wasn't working no. like it was just a terrible idea and so what I did was I got one of my old iPod touches that nobody was using for anything anymore. It has no social media on it. She can use it to listen to music. She can use it for her alarm clock. She can use it for white noise. Her, the Wi-Fi on it goes off at 10, and it doesn't have any data. So, you know, like it, there are compromises that you can do where everybody is relatively happy. Right. They don't actually need the phone, but they do use their phones for things. So it was a hard thing. My daughters have a, like... $20 white noise machine because we live in New York City. They've had it since they were born. I don't even know if they could sleep without it. And a old-fashioned alarm clock. But they have an Echo Dot now. Mm-hmm. And that's what all their music goes through. And they don't need their phone with them. They just tell Alexa to start playing. Um, but yeah, I take the phones out of the room. And they hand them out. They're like, they don't want them. They wake up and have, no joke, like 75 group text messages yeah. when they wake up in the morning. It's absurd. And that yeah. would keep them up all night checking, oh, checking, just answering. Just the going yeah. on. Yeah, and my off. daughter and then, doesn't. then you know that they're heading off to school with a fully charged phone. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> well, my daughter doesn't get hers back until she's like downstairs and ready to leave. So, right. And then if she's late, I know that she wasn't like sitting up in her room Right. Well, there's the people. other incentive. It gets your kid to get out of bed because <laughs> yeah. they need yeah. their phone. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's brilliant because I think one person recommended getting everybody old school alarm clocks from Amazon, yes. which I actually just recently did, because everyone has an excuse why they are mm-hmm. why they need their phone, but they really don't need yeah. it. You, you can get it. the dot, you can get the alarm clock, and everything that you purport to need it for, you can replace with something yeah, and else. And it's better yeah. for you, too. Don't have your phone next to your bed. Yeah. That's what I say. I don't. <laughs> all right. With all that, that was a lot of information. Um, <laughs> that was good. We'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what you got? Okay, so mine's a little melancholy, um, but joyful at the same time. Uh, if you watched the Super Bowl and you've got feelings about the halftime show, whatever, this is I'm not doing this because it's a judgment of the halftime show, um, but... We don't uh, get to judge his deer shirt. You Come can tot- no, you can. <laughs> I'm saying that like this, I'm not doing this in response okay. to it. It's just that... After there was the whole controversy about whether Justin Timberlake was going to have a hologram of Prince and then apparently Sheila E. talked him out of that. So then he just ended up having like a projection of Prince. I'm not sure why that's so different. Um, But because of that, a lot of people started sending around Prince's halftime show from 2007. Amazing. Yeah. And it was this this was actually posted on Deadspin right after Prince died. Um, So it's. It's the entire thing. It's like 12 minutes. It's an incredible performance. 
just sit down and watch it and enjoy it and forget that he's no longer with us because then you'll be sad. That's awesome. I think they should have just showed This Is Us as the halftime show. Oh, my God. <laughs> it would have been so much better. Can I tell you, I've never seen that show in my life, and I know every major plot point. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the way it goes. That's yeah. Way it yeah. Goes. All right, Andrea. And I'm totally behind on This Is Us, as <laughs> oh, usual, right? Because Don't get on Facebook. I'm, you will know oh, exactly I mean, I know what exactly, happened. I know exactly. And then it doesn't on the, even matter if you know. It doesn't matter. I know. <laughs> it's a, sign it's of a, a good great show. show but yeah. I am notoriously always two seasons behind or haven't watched whatever it is they're talking about. So <laughs> All right. first, you guys need to be very proud of me. I am halfway through Ozark. Yay! Oh, I'm dying to see Yay. Oh, it's so good. This is like huge for me because... It takes about two years to catch up to them. So yes, <laughs> watching Ozark. But um, I there was an article, la- I think it was last week in the LA Times um, by Naomi Schaefer Riley called Kids Don't Need a Cell Phone, They Need a Digital Diet. And we talk a lot about, you know, do kids need a phone? Do they not need a phone? Do they need a phone because you want them to have a phone? And I, I really like this because one of the things the author talks about is that the phone you know, it's a convenience. If you're giving it to your kid as a convenience so you can reach them, that's not a good excuse. And she writes that, you know, McDonald's for dinner is a convenience, but that doesn't mean it's good for you and that you should do it all the time. So it's kind of talks about how to scale back a little bit, put your kids on a diet. And I absolutely love the name of the book that she's written. It's called be the parent, please. Stop banning seesaws and start banning Snapchat. Hmm. So um, I mentioned this to Rebecca and I think we've reached out to her and yeah, we'll hopefully, hopefully have her on when the, the book comes out but the article's really good too if you're on the fence about phones and kids so we'll post that oh another place with just all parental pressure <laughs> it's just all <laughs> yeah. it's all from the parents all right Michelle you're a few years away from having to worry about that <laughs> oh god it's always something yes. um so my bite of the week is uh, Goodreads. I don't know if you guys are oh, yeah. on Goodreads or not, but um, I used to be. Yeah, so it basically is the like kind, healthy social network where you <laughs> post the books you're reading, you list the books you want to read, and then you review the books once you're done reading them. So you kind of, instead of logging in and seeing a whole feed full of Trump rants, pro or pro or um, anti, you're seeing that your best friend from college just read this really great book and she gave it five stars and she explains why. And then you're seeing the books that people are flagging as want to read. And for me, it's just been great because ever since I got the aforementioned alarm clock for my bedside <laughs> and put my phone in the kitchen at night, I have been reading at night. And Goodreads is a great way to kind of keep yourself motivated and stay on track with that because you're basically announcing it kind of right. keeps you accountable. You're announcing, like, I am right now reading the autobiography of Gucci Mane. And so you want to be able to check back in and say, I finished it mm-hmm. and review it and kind of be part of the community there in a sense, not to be cheesy. But it's working because it it, it just provides that accountability. And it's an awesome. And it keeps you reading. Keeps you reading. And it's a great antidote. It gives you a lot of great ideas of what nice to read. it's too when you don't know what to read. You yes. know, to have friends whose opinion you value it's, to say, okay, this was great. Give it a try. Yeah. It's great. You know, one if you know that you have similar tastes and you're seeing that person's book list and you're seeing that they're rating it highly, you're like, great, I'm going to read that next. And it's just a nice escape from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all of the Unless everyone is reading Fire emotions. and Fury and then, then it's the same right? thing. And there was some Fire and Fury in my Goodreads recently. But it's a great way to kind of nerd out 
I love that. It's like the old-fashioned internet, right? When we all just thought it was for good. Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it <was helpful. laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually community. really That's helpful. That's what it's about. Um, I love that. So I am I'm recommending an article that I shared on Facebook this week that just ended up getting like crazy amount of shares after, which was weird, um, but I guess not, which is why I'm teaching my daughters to be rude. Oh, I loved that. <laughs> I shared that. Yeah. <laughs> from from, yeah. Yeah. from um, New York Magazine. It was written by Danielle Lazerin. And it's such a good article. And we had the Me Too episode last week with Kelly Wallace. Um, but it is part of this conversation about even when we think we're empowering our girls to not talk to strangers or feel empowered, we always say, like, smile, yeah, he's talking to you. Like, you should say mm-hmm. hello or whatever it is. Um, but ha- what struck me about this article, because she starts about talking about her two little girls and this sort of old man in her neighborhood talking to them and how he just feels so entitled to talk to them. Like how weird it is that these grown-ups, and it's usually men, feel like they should be able to talk to little girls and little girls should just respond to them and he can just tell them how pretty they are or whatever. And then she found herself saying to him, oh, they're shy. Like even, she was even like, oh, why did I say that? Why did I say they were shy? I should like, no. They should just be able to be like, we don't talk to strangers. And when he's like, I'm not a stranger, it's like, well, of course you are. Just because you live in our neighborhood doesn't make you not a stranger. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, to- I totally get it, and I get the point of her article. But I also feel like an older man, you know, who sees these two little girls, you know, he's probably thinking of his grandchildren. Maybe you know, like maybe I think maybe that it's pedophile. generational. Well, she said <laughs> that she'd seen him in the neighborhood a lot. <laughs> but, but, but so what? But I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying he is. But but I feel like it's a little generational where older people might feel like it's okay to just talk to a kid, especially if their parent's there. No, I feel like. I'm not saying that. I totally agree with explaining to the kids, this is a stranger and you do not need to answer them. Right. But I'm not I'm not so sure it was it was awful of the of the man. Right. I don't, and I don't think she was saying it was so awful of him, but it was this, her, that her gut reaction was sort of to apologize for her daughters instead of being like, you know what? We don't talk to strangers. That's okay. Um, is interesting. And it, it is teaching girls to sort of go against their gut instinct very young and may, and please someone else, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what part of it comes from is just that need to please. And being polite. And being polite. Yeah. And yeah. being polite, as we know – gets misconstrued as consent all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a really great read, and we'll post it, and it sort of sparked a ton of sharing and a ton of conversation. Well, Amy shared um, it um, yes. because we had an experience at CES, and it was just so true, you know, because you feel like when someone's talking to you, you don't want to be rude, and and you're polite. And this really weird guy was talking to Amy. He like was looking at her tag. Yeah, and I had my CS badge on so he could see my name and, you and know, her website. What I wrote for, and he was just being really skeezy, and I was just really rude. Like I just wasn't playing. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, just because we're and the elevator was really crowded, which is why I was facing him. And uh. it, like, no, I'm sorry, just because like we're in an elevator together. Doesn't, that was my second weird elevator thing at CES. I was just right. rude in every <laughs> elevator in CES. But and it was, was he felt entitled. He felt entitled, and and like I should have been friendly with him, and I'm like, no, right, no, you yeah. don't have that right, and I'm not going to give you that right. right, and shut up. And I do wonder, even I will say, I mean, I don't know this man from Mahonewal, but would he say the same thing to a little boy? Hmm. Right. Would he talk to a little boy the and same and comment way? on the appearance? Yeah, and say, oh, you're so handsome today. We like, just did an entire episode on your bite. I know. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 
such a good article. Maybe it we'll is. have to talk about it next I week. Know, yeah. I know. should have her on. It sparked such a conversation. Um, but it does. It reminds me of when my daughters first started going places alone, and I said to them, "I don't don't get into an elevator if it's just you and a man." Mm-hmm. I, I just said it to them, like because they yeah. would go to like their violin lesson, whatever, and get. And my husband was like, "That's cra- you're making them crazy," and I'm like, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. "I'm like, I'm sorry, they're ten, they're by themselves, mm-hmm. they're carrying a giant backpack and a violin." No. Like, just don't get in the elevator with, yeah. with a man. Um, and when I say stuff like that place. to my daughter, she's like, but what if they think that's rude? Like, that's what I say. Does not matter. Right. That is not your problem. You can hurt their feelings. Right. Um, but anyway, that's my bite of the week. <laughs> Who knew? It was such a big bite. Um, well, thank you, Michelle. It was so great having you this week. It was so nice to have you in person. Thank you. Um, and it was such a good episode. We haven't talked about sleep and like that kind of in depth. I hope it was really helpful for all our listeners. I'm sure. I can't imagine it wouldn't be. And Amy I just remembered to take a picture of her shoes. <laughs> Amy oh, yeah. post picture of her shoes on our Facebook page. Um, you can find everything we talked about this week on Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites and ParentingBites.com. Amy will t- put all the links to everything we talked about. <laughs> we talked about a lot, but there weren't a lot of links. That's I was true. paying attention. Everything's inclusive. And, you know, everything was covered in Michelle's article. Yep. It's like a really good article. Thanks, guys. It was good to have you in the yes. studio. Yeah. Um, right, you can find us on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, share. And on Radio.com, where you can find us and all the other Radio.com podcasts. Until next week, happy, happy parenting. parenting. Bye. <laughs>